You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. Please be mindful that some topics might be great stuff for younger people to listen to, and some might not. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on related topics in Australia. Find Curious Creatures and submit your questions for us to answer at curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. Today we're chatting with Niati Evers and Anne Hunter. Uh, Niati, who are you? I'm a sex-positive therapist. I currently live in Portland and I studied process work uh, at the Process Work Institute in Portland and I'm also a facilitator and teach workshops and classes on sexuality. Hmm, fantastic. Great to have you with us. And Anne, who are you? A relationships coach specialising in non-monogamy, and I also happen to be involved in process-oriented psychology. Fabulous. Uh, so great to have uh, you with us as well. And so to today's question, uh, which is, I have vaginismus. Any advice? Welcome. Um, wow. So I guess... Before we tackle that, uh, we should um, define a little bit what uh, vaginismus is. Uh, so help me out, gang. But my understanding is essentially we're talking about the condition where um, uh, muscles within the vagina uh, tighten to the point uh, where uh, penetration is uh, painful or impossible. Um, is that? Um, do you want to add or subtract from that definition? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's pretty much my understanding. Uh, involuntary contraction. Sounds good. Um, you did a great job defining it. <laughs> yep. And a, a very, uh, just like right from the outset, a, uh, aside from the physical aspect of the pain, a uh, really compelling, distracting condition for uh, some people that have that condition. So, um, yeah, very much thank you to the uh, whoever asked that question. Um, and as we move into it, uh, we spoke, uh, the, the three of us, and Niati and myself, spoke a little bit beforehand, and I'm aware that none of us specifically identify as experts in this area. Uh, however, we realised uh, two things. Uh, one is that we nevertheless bring some either some personal stories or some personal perspectives uh, on the subject which we feel are relevant but also that finding actual information and specialists uh, that uh, people can be referred to is almost impossible. So on the balance of that, we decided it was worth um, us weighing in and sharing our stories and our perspectives. Uh, however, just with the caveat, um, it, it's probably pretty clear, but we're not claiming to be offering medical advice or even psychological advice. Uh, this is more just our perspectives and understanding. Uh, and I guess in my own case, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a dude, so please <laughs> take my own advice with a uh, couple of grains of salt there. Anything else either of you wanted to say by way of background stuff before we begin? Just want to reiterate, thank you so much to the person who asked the question. It's, it's a very vulnerable topic to bring up, and it's one that has a lot of, like, shame and stigma around it, and um, and many people are grappling with it. You know, to more or lesser degree, and yeah, just really appreciate the courage in bringing it up. Mm, yeah, we Absolutely. do not talk about it enough. No, and when we ask these scary questions or whatever the question is, when we ask these questions, the world becomes a better place. So, yeah, with you on that, Niadi. Thank you, mm. listener. Mm-hmm. So, I have vaginismus. Any advice? Welcome. 
Um, maybe perhaps um, Anne, I'm looking in your acoustic direction. Yeah, this is this is a topic very um, close to my heart, and and let me flag that I, this is a vulnerable one for me because I have had it um, a number of times over the course of my life. Um, when I when I was growing up, I was a good Christian. And I think, you know, I got all of the negative um, messages around sex, and I think I was afraid of sex. Um, and so I actually did not have penis-in-vagina sex until I got married, which was a really bad move um, because it was shit, um, absolutely terrible. Um, and I had vaginismus at the time. Now I had, had a history of sexual assault and a bunch of things. And I went to a gynecologist um, for it at the time. And her recommendation at the time was that I start inserting my own fingers into my vagina and, you know, get to know the feel. And at the time, I was so sex negative. It was like, ew, what? You're joking. Um, but I did. I did start to work on that. However, sex in my marriage was never anything other than pretty bad. Um, and I did not... Nothing. Like I didn't get over it um, at that point. Well, so, so just as a as a side thing, and, and listeners, I'm about to use my ironic font to ask the next question. So, Anne, are you saying that waiting for marriage before having sex is not necessarily the road to great sex? Okay. An aside. I was so angry because the contract that I signed was that if I quote unquote saved myself for marriage. Sex would be great in my marriage. That was the contract, and it bloody wasn't. And I was really unhappy wow. about that. I was very angry, wow. in fact. And wow. um, you, you were ripped off. And then I was really ripped off, and I didn't get to do my sexual exploration in my adolescence when I should have. Um, mm. I was in my thirties by the time I was starting to explore, and then I had a heap of crap um, to deal with. And one of the one of the big things was vaginismus, and um, wow. it took. A few years. Um, it took quite a lot of work with a beloved partner who was understanding and patient and kind. I had to, we had to take sex right off the table to start with. We had to work very gently on all of the other forms of arousal. Um, one of my, one of my issues was I had complicated, a complicated combination of issues. Um, so I, I would get trigger flashbacks as well. So even on the times when I was starting to get horny and worked up and, and enthusiastic and excited, um, I could have a flashback which would shut me down cold. Um, mm. And mm. Well, yeah. that, was a, that, that was a nasty combination to work with to try to resolve. And I it's felt amazing. all of the stuff that you were talking about, all of the deep shame and the guilt and the envy and the – the missing out, fear of missing out, the bloody hell, you know, on TV everybody is having a wonderful time all the time and not me, and this is fucking hard work, literally. Well, wow, I, I, I just uh, want to underline what you say about uh, flashbacks for one thing, mm. like when one is in the middle of otherwise good sex and mm. just having a reminder of flashback or just a nasty pervasive thought, it's amazing how much that can knock out the mood. 
And the other is just I really hear that sense of betrayal you have about that time of your life where uh, so many people are out there exploring and playing and just seeing what's possible mm. and, and having so much self-development and sexual development. Mm. You were robbed of that experience. I am so sorry that that was your experience. Yeah, it was, it's a bugger that that was my experience in my adolescence. I mean, there are always, you know, things you learn. Um, you can't not learn. So whatever you're not learning, you're learning something else. But I am, I am very regretful um, that I missed out on that. Um, in my adolescence, and I made up for it later, but it took some years of really working on putting my awareness. So all of the all of the techniques that people use in tantra and in yoga, all of the breathing techniques, all of the focusing techniques, all of the really getting to know the the muscles of my vagina intimately like really being able to feel muscle by muscle and one of the things that my partner and I did um, a lot of was that we'd, we'd just we'd just play around the edge and I would breathe and play around the edge and I would breathe what I found with my my longest term partner um, was that patience removing expectations uh, especially around penis and vagina sex doing lots of other fun things, doing a lot of personal work to get over my um, my hang-ups and my, my, you know, my sex negativity from my youth and really getting to know my vaginal muscles and my central responses. And I love the I love the point you raised there, Anne, about um, the importance of other forms of play. Because if the only form of play you're engaged in is penis and vagina sex, then it puts an awful lot of pressure on this particular issue. But if that's just a little kind of a um, one of the many, si- yeah, tools one of the many items on the menu. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, we had. We we had to go to so I had a lot of things to, um, around obligation, sexual obligation and shame and stuff like that to work through, and a lot of the time I had to do a lot of you know, just a lot of personal growth work around releasing my own internal sense of obligation stuff like that wasn't coming from my partner. Wow, um, that's that's really really special that you share that story. Uh, yeah, and so it was it was um, we would we would go like I. I, I take his penis into my vagina just a tiny little bit and then hold it there and breathe and feel and breathe and feel and, and breathe and feel and relax and then go just a tiny little bit further and do the same. And that was wow. kind of how we got over it the first time and it took a long time. Um, but- sounds, like, sounds like you were saying staying very present to the micro elements of the experience. Yeah, and yeah, not, not just not just trying to rush past it or barge across it, but just no. being really present. And not, it wasn't and not just the physical ones. You know, at that back then, in particular, there were a lot of emotional and psychological ones as well. To be present to all of the everything and to allow everything to come up, everything to be in the room, and simply just learn to sit with it all and breathe through it all. And that, it worked. It took a long time, but it worked over time. However, what I have found is that if I have a period, a long period of like some, say, a few months, a couple of months of no sex, no penis in vagina sex for some reason, the vaginismus has a tendency to come back. And so I've had recurring vaginismus over the course of my life. 
And right at the moment, it is complicated by menopause. And mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, I'd never lubricated very much anyway, but really drying up. And really, it's it really changed the wow. shape and the sense of what's going on internally. And like last year I had an experience where I won't go into it, but I had so much beautiful, delicious, perfect, ideal buildup. And I was emotionally and spiritually and psychologically and physically as open as I could be. And it still hurt. Mm-hmm. So it, it's changed over the years. Wow. wow. Interesting little ally that's been with you for a while. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your um, uh, sharing of such a uh, of the personal side of that story. It's just so uh, helps uh, helps so many of us when when personal stories about sex are shared, particularly ones where we acknowledge that things are not always simple and straightforward, and they don't always go the way things are portrayed on television. So, yeah. just big thank you. I wish somebody um, told me that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, again, so the advice just to simply not have sex before marriage, that wasn't actually complete sufficient sex education oh, in itself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 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 How bad I that advice was. I really I, – I, and I, I believed it. I really believed it, and I did it. And I did it for a long time, and I it was so bad for me. It was so negative. And the longer I went without trying sex, the more shame and obstacle there was to it. Heart, the more I had to overcome when I finally got around to having good sex. Niati, um, what are your thoughts, uh, vaginismus? Any advice? Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Rod. And uh, first of all, Anne, I also just wanted to respond to you and just I'm so touched by your courage to share, you know, on this level. And uh, it's it's amazing. And um, I was also what what really like yeah you're welcome. And what really struck me was the the double whammy of feeling you know the pain, the actual physical pain, uh, you know when others uh, aren't or you think they aren't, and you are, and like the whole shaming around that, like oh what's wrong with me that I am not enjoying this, but it actually feels painful. Mm. And, you know, that on top of the whole Christian conditioning and the betrayal of that. So I just heard all the layers of it and how mm. complex it is. Mm. So, mm. yeah. yeah. So first of all, just honoring you in, in what you shared. Thank you. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I wanted to just for a moment put on my my process work hat. And, you know, we've spoken uh, about process work previously in the podcast as that's a method that we tend to use or that we're excited about. So for and, listeners that are not familiar that we're talking yeah. about uh, process-oriented psychology, uh, feel free to look that up. Yeah, go on, Niati. Sure. Thanks, Raj. And we look, you know, at in process work we have this lens that we look at symptoms on different levels. And one is what we call more consensus reality level. And then it's more around what can you do practically around it? And you mentioned some of those techniques and, and, and what the gynecologist advised you. And, and that's all super relevant and important. And just to add one thing to that, because you mentioned menopause and, and I am in a similar life stage and I've had similar experiences as you. And I just wanted to say that for me, uh, 
topical estrogen that I actually put on on my inner labia and I insert it into my vagina has changed that dramatically mm. from thinking from it was so painful that I thought I had cervical cancer mm. and I didn't well. <laughs> but uh, it was just my you know it was completely um, my vagina was completely like dried out from the lack of estrogen mm, and yeah. that was what created the pain so that's that's one like consensus reality option that i just wanted to name and that may be right for some and not for others mm. so that's one thing and then we what when it gets exciting for me around process work is where we look more at what we call the dreaming of a symptom and what we mean with that is that symptoms carry a certain energy and a certain message and when we can connect to the energy or the message in the background of the symptom it doesn't necessarily always resolve it immediately but it creates a very different kind of relationship with the symptom and Rod you mentioned the word ally so yes. and that's really the idea that when you can pick up the message in the background, the symptom transforms from just being like a pain, literally and symbolically, to something that also can add some meaning to your life. Yeah, the ally is often spoken about as uh, yeah something that uh, uh, pairs with you uh, and follows you through your life in some ways. And it's often not an easy or enjoyable process. It presents itself through body symptoms, such as what we're talking about, or through relationship conflicts or whatever else. Um, but it's also there ultimately to help guide you towards uh, perhaps what you might describe as a more whole sense of you or something like that, or, or a Beautiful. gap that's missing from your ordinary identity. Beautiful. I love that, the way you just said that, very simple and clear. Yeah, that's it. And and so in order to, like, get the message, we, we call it, like, you wrestle with the ally. Like, it doesn't just give it to you right away. You have to, like, get into it, you know. And in this case, with, like, vaginismus, it's, it's what we would do is to ask you, like, how you experience the symptom and show it in an actual movement. And when I imagine, when I dream into the symptom, we talked about it already as a contraction, as a tightening. And so normal approaches will try and get you to loosen up. Yeah. And the process work approach would be more like, let's discover where that tightening, where an attitude of being actually tighter is useful or needed for you. And I loved, Anne, what you said, because you talked about sex being an obligation and changing that around to really following your own pace. So in a way, you picked up the tightening, you could say, in the sense of like, this is what I'm saying yes to. This is what I'm saying no to. I'm going to really follow myself. I'm not just going to give over to other people's expectations. I'm going to define what kind of sex I want and how. So in a way, you could say it's a tighter attitude. Yeah, right? Yeah, or, or like um, uh, something is being kept out through this physical process. So on an energetic level, you could say uh, it's a ruthless taskmaster around what is going to be let in and what is not going to be let in. And on a pragmatic level, that could be objects or fingers or penises or toys or whatever else. But on another level, interesting question, what is being shut out or what wants to be shut out or what should be shut out? 
That's right. And it could be around not just sexually. It could be in other areas of your life. So yes, the ally yes, yes. might show up sexually, but it, where do you need, quote unquote, tightening up or shutting certain things out in your life that you're being too open so how, to? How would you um, um, explore that? How would you explore that symptom, Niati? Well, I would first of all ask the person, like, how are you experiencing it? So if you were to transfer the symptom onto me, what would I be experiencing? And usually when you ask that question, a person already starts to make show you in, in emotion what it feels like. So you can see me, but even as I'm talking about it, my hands are squeezing tighter together. Somebody else might actually show a really totally tight fist. Uh-huh. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's unique. It's not like it's one standard thing. It depends on how you uniquely and personally experience it. But either way, be be interested in your own process and right. unfold that. Yeah. Right. And then notice what that energy is like. And instead of going against it, what is right about that energy? What is the golden nugget in it? Right. Um, anything more you wanted to say? On that topic, Niati? Um, no, I think that is that is really the, the main thing. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. I love the, the spirit of curiosity you talk about and, and uh, regarding the symptom as something that might be of usefulness or service or curiosity. And, and again, I also in turn want to thank your courage for sharing your personal uh, intimate stories uh, like for, for both of you. Again, it's through this stuff that the world becomes a better place and we all become normalized and more happy. Yeah. Um, my perspective is um, – so I guess my perspective comes from working with a few people uh, on uh, vaginismus, uh, both in the context of um, uh, partners in my private life and also with uh, therapeutic clients who I've worked, uh, worked on a, with on a hands-on basis, so sex work clients. Um, and I guess I've got um, experience of three people in particular, but the stories are so similar and so identical and the themes are so um, so much in common that I, I, it's, I can sort of talk about them almost like one person. Um, in all cases, yes, there was a sexual abuse history, and I, I know from past research that um, vaginismus is more likely to be uh, uh, correlated with uh, sexual abuse, particularly in childhood. Um, I know for me in the process, so much of what was going on in the background was around trust. So I feel like the people I was working with w were very much sussing me out uh, beforehand uh, and, and during any activities. Uh, lots of what you might call stop-start situations. So we might progress with a particular type of touch and that would need to be stopped at a certain point in time. And in retrospect, I feel like I was being tested. Uh, and I mean that in the best possible way. I, I think, I think the, the people were checking to see um, that they could trust the person that was touching them uh, and also p perhaps testing their agency, testing their ability to set boundaries and say yes and no to particular things. Um, and I feel like 
in some ways, any any physical practice was almost completely irrelevant. I think the main one was the relationship dynamic in the background of yeah, yeah, them setting their boundaries and checking to make sure that they could trust me to obey those boundaries. Wow. Um, there were some other meta skills there, and so meta skills are just been uh, skills that are sort of in the background as opposed to the technical skills of touch. And I would say that those meta skills were around servitude, so me being there purely in service of the other person and in support of their curiosity, and a genuine interest in the condition or the symptom as they experienced it and also being uh, non-shaming about it because obviously when you're working with some with any kind of a situation where your body's not doing what you want it to do and you've got shame around it, um, you're desperately wanting to, or, or rather you're desperately looking for any signal of shame in, in the people around you. So yeah, as a partner or as a practitioner, I, I feel that yeah, being in a non-shaming space is absolutely essential. Um, wow, right. Can I uh, just respond yeah, for a moment? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I just, I'm so touched by what you're sharing, and I just love that you shared this story because it also takes away a certain stigma or perspective around sex work. And really, what you're describing is how you're a healer as a sex worker, and what a huge part that is of potentially, of being a sex worker. So I just love that. Thank you. I, I, um, I, I don't massively identify with the word healer, but I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying about there's a, right. there's a therapeutic element to what's right. going on here. Right. And it is technically sex work in that it includes sex and it includes an exchange of money. However, oh, it just feels so much – so different to the stereotype. Thank you for, thank you for identifying yeah. that. So I think – once those things were in place, um, I, I'm really wary about um, offering advice that might sound like it should suit all people all the time. Um, and I'm really wary about implying that something like vaginismus is something that's easy to solve. However, in the experiences I've had once those other elements were in place, it's surprising how quickly um, – the physical side of these symptoms um, disappeared. Uh, one one particular person I'm thinking of went from, uh, I, th I think, stage three vaginismus, which is um, a finger can't be inserted, um, or at least not without really considerable pain, through to um, what I would have to describe as uh, non-existent symptoms and very enthusiastic internal play. Um, so, wow. yeah, so one success story there. Um, I would also, just on a technical level, I would also say that, um, uh, and I'm aware, aware this conversation has often slipped into being sounding like we're talking about penis and vagina sex, and obviously vaginismus can strike anyone that has a vagina. Um, uh, yeah, but in particularly the example I'm about to give, for those of you that are interested in pursuing penis and vagina sex, um, another little thing that I've found to potentially be useful is the person with the cock lies on the bottom and is there in service. So they need to do whatever they need to do to maintain their erection, erection but not get too enthusiastic. And the person with the vagina hovers over them on top and has the freedom just to explore at their own pace and the keyword there being at their own pace. Uh, so that's just a little side tip. Mm. That, that, that pretty much... Yeah, we, we did it. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah, just to um, emphasise what you said, Niyati, about um, there, there are a lot of – if when you look up cures for vaginismus on the net, you'll find a lot of things that are um, – Physical solutions such as ways to stretch and expand one's vagina, and there is obviously a huge usefulness in that. Uh, but yeah, I just want to highlight what we've all been saying about uh, the process in the background of listening to it as a body symptom. Um, I, I think that most of these things, uh, like like an ally, uh, are there to potentially uh, guide us towards a better sex life, uh, and the lessons that come out of uh, listening to them, are lessons that work for everyone. So yeah, that's great. Um, is there anything that any of us would like to add to this conversation before we finish up? No, I just wanted to highlight what you just said because I think that is huge. And Anne, you gave such beautiful examples of that, how working with the symptom, you know, going with it can potentially totally change and enrich your sex life. And that's hopeful and exciting. So I just wanted to highlight that. Mm. It is. It is. And I also want to say that I still have it and it still comes back at times and there are times when it seems to be a bit intransigent as well. I don't want to sound like I have completely nailed vaginismus and I know that I'll never have a problem with it again. Just not the case. Well, sure. Um, Thank you for reminding us about the... um uh, yeah, the realities and the difficulties. It's a, it's a tricky one. And again, thank you to all of us for sharing our personal stories and, and thank you to the original question. Yeah, thank um, you to the original question and thank you, Rog, for, for bringing it up and, and, and having um, an episode on it because we really need to talk about it. I'm so glad we spoke about this. Uh, also, if listeners are interested uh, in related topics, you might be interested in episode eight of Curious Conversations About Sex, which is what to do when your body doesn't behave as you would like, which is obviously fairly relevant to today's question. So thank you, and Thank you, Niyaki. Thanks, Rod. And I would love to hear a little more about uh, what the uh, two of you are up to and where people can find you. So uh, perhaps we'll start with you, Niyaki. Uh, what do you do? Uh, who are your ideal clients and where can they find you? So um, I work as a, a sex positive therapist and a facilitator and I have a website where you can find me and it's called alchemyoferos.com but it's spelled alchemy-of-eros.com. I'm just super excited to work in the sex positive community and I do a lot of work with individual clients and with couples and it's certainly not restricted to sexuality, sexuality and working with sexual issues, sexual shame, um, people wanting to reconnect to their sexuality, um, people working through relationship issues that are often also reflected in their sexuality, um, but also really just personal development and transformation. I'm passionate about working with people who are passionate about their own development, really. It's, it's as, as broad and as narrow as that. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, Anne, uh, what do you mostly do and who are your ideal clients and where can they find you? Yep. Um, I am a relationships coach specialising in non-monogamy. So um, anybody who's uh, struggling with some aspect of polyamory or ethical non-monogamy or any other form of non-monogamy who wants to um, 
you know, work toward resolving uh, relationship issues. That's the kind of thing I work with. Um, I work uh, from Melbourne or on Skype. And uh, my the website uh, is your relationship tool belt, all one word, dot com. Dot au. Fantastic. And, yeah. That's, and uh, yeah, but, and but, but, I, I also run occasional groups around issues like specific issues like jealousy or things like that, from time to time. Yes, and your your expertise in that area and your gift to the to the Melbourne community in particular that I've witnessed has been just amazing. Um. I will. Those contact details will be in the show description notes, uh, and also I'm assuming with the both of you, uh, you both mentioned uh, sexuality and poly. Are you familiar, uh, comfortable taking clients uh, from a diversity of gender uh, representations and sex workers? And do you work with clients? Any orientation, any gender, any identity. Wonderful. And thanks, friends. You've been listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures. You can find us at curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. Mm-hmm.